Coming up, power ranking the D-backs spring training competition. We've talked about dudes who are fighting for a roster spot, but what are the actual battles going down in spring training? Power ranking those before we get into part two with Sully Baseball, where we discuss some teams that should have made some moves this offseason, but didn't. All on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends with spring training Either starting this week or next week. It starts pretty soon, these spring training games. I should probably be more in tune to exactly what's the first day that spring training begins as the Locked on Dimebacks host. But I'm just kind of taking in this baseball season slowly. I just kind of want to sneak up on me because I still feel like I'm not even over the last baseball season that we just had. I still feel like I'm in off-season recovery mode. And then all of a sudden, spring training is here. Major League Baseball is around the corner. I'm still kind of shocked by that. So I haven't been looking too keenly at the schedule and the calendar recently, but I still know that spring training is about to begin. And so I want to talk about some of the biggest spring training battles we have going on right now. I did a couple pods last week talking about which pitchers could be squeezed off the roster and which position players could be squeezed off the roster. But today, I actually want to look at the battles that those players are fighting for in spring training and make it a little power ranking because you guys know I love my power rankings. It makes it a little bit easier, makes it a little bit more organized for me. So let's start off this spring training power ranking for the biggest battles that we're going to see in spring training. And I want to start at the top number one, because my number one spring training battle this season is the battle for the fifth spot in the rotation. This is something that when you look at all the reports coming out of spring training so far, Mike Hazen seems to be pretty locked into having four starters already assigned to rotation spots. Of course, Zach Gallen, our Lord and Savior, who is, I still think, one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball, coming off a fantastic season where he probably should have gotten even more Cy Young votes than he already garnered last season. Merrill Kelly, the number two starter, should have gotten more Cy Young votes as well than what he garnered last season. Going to lead the USA in the WBC Classic, Merrill Kelly is a stud and one of the most underrated players in baseball. I mean, the D-backs whole frontline rotation is probably the most underrated one-two punch in baseball. And then, sadly, Mike Hazen has all but confirmed that Madison Bumgarner is a locker rotation spot. So, you guys already know my feelings on Madison Bumgarner. Get him out the rotation, but as it currently stands, come opening day, 
He will probably be the number three and number four starter. Then Zach Davies is the other guy locked into a rotation spot. So it seems like the D-backs are going to have four of the five spots already locked in with Dre Jameson, Ryan Nelson, Tommy Henry, <clears throat> Tommy Henry, and Brandon Fat all vying for that number five spot in the rotation. And those are five really young, really promising guys. Probably Tommy Henry is by far my least favorite. We already saw Dre Jameson, Ryan Nelson on the major league level last year. Brandon Fat's coming off a intense minor league season where he put up very impressive numbers. So and Tommy Henry, even though he's my least favorite, he is the most experienced one on that list, has pitched more starts on the major league level than any of those guys, actually more than all three of those guys combined. So Tommy Henry at least has the experience working for him. So that's going to be a big battle to see who locks in that number fifth spot in the rotation from those four guys that are all going to be battling for it in spring training. I believe Dre Jameson and Ryan Nelson have the leads. I would say Dre Jameson might be 1A just because of the pitching arsenal and combo he has. I think it's the most balance and the easiest one to make sense of a starter over the course of a full season with how he stands right now in his projections maybe not in his development is what I want to say Ryan Nelson I think is pretty close behind him but I still think he needs to work on his secondary pitches a little bit more I think he's still probably I, I think he'd be a fine starter, but I could also see him as a better bullpen guy than probably a Jay Jamerson because of the Ryan Nelson makeup. Loves to go mainly fastballs if he can. Uh, if he can, that's his bread and butter. That's the diet he likes to throw to opposing batters. He likes to give them a fat diet of just fastballs if he can. It's like if you're going on the all carnivore liver king diet, that's like Ryan Nelson. Just give me fastballs raw all day long. And so... I think Dre Jameson probably is the 1A, Ryan Nelson 1B, Tommy Henry's probably third in that mix just because he has the experience with Brandon Fat 4, but I definitely expect whoever wins it, let's say Dre Jameson, I definitely expect Ryan Nelson to come back on the major league level at some point during the season because so far it seems like the early indications that um, whoever doesn't win the rotation spot the other three will be option to the minor leagues. That seems what the early reports are. So if Jay Jameson wins it, then you could probably expect Ryan Nelson and the Henrys and the Fats all to go back to AAA and maybe not start the season in the bullpen. Because look, I think Fat and Tommy Henry probably should go back to AAA. But a guy like Ryan Nelson, who I already think is pretty good and already like going to be 24, 25 years old, already had the cup of coffee in the major league level last season. And what I saw his arsenal is, if Dre Jameson wins the rotation spot, then I I want Ryan Nelson to maybe start the season in the bullpen as like the seventh or eighth inning guy. I think Ryan Nelson has potential to be that high leverage reliever, but I also don't mind the D-back saying, okay, Dre Jameson, you want it. Ryan Nelson, we still want your first option as a future, we still want your first option in the future to be as a starter for the D-backs. So we're going to send you to the minor league so you can still be a starter with that team. And then if there's an injury, if there's a trade, we'll call you up so you could once again get another opportunity as a starter. I don't mind the D-backs taking that path with Ryan Nelson because I do want to see what he can be as a full-time starter as well. But I also wouldn't mind seeing Ryan Nelson. <clears throat> I also wouldn't mind seeing Ryan Nelson as a late-inning high-leverage reliever either but as it currently stands i think the battle for number five spot in the rotation is the number one battle that we're going to see in spring training the number two battle i think that we're going to see is the battle for the closer position because right now mark melanson he is talking a big game about regaining his position as the closer knowing he basically fumbled the bag last season with how bad he was but he's still getting paid closer money he was still brought here to be the d-backs closer but now 
It's a real competition who's going to be that closer, and it's not just Mark Melanson. Joe Mansply is going to be in that competition for the closer just because he was so good last year and our most reliable reliever. The Sheriff, Andrew Chafin, will also have a chance at being the D-backs closer considering he is a dude who has saved games in the past, never been a full-time closer over the course of a full season, but he's definitely been a spot closer for the days that your closer does need rest, does have the ability to finish games. That's something he's done throughout his entire career. So Andrew Chafin can be an option as well. Newcomer Scott McHugh, who is coming from overseas, was a closer, I think, the last couple of years in Japan. He's going to get a shot as well. Miguel Castro coming over from the Yankees, a high-velocity reliever, will probably get a shot as well. And I wouldn't even be surprised if a guy like Kevin Ginkle got a shot in spring training after being tabbed potentially the close of the future back in 2019 and coming off a really good season last year with a pretty decent sample size. So this closer competition, I think, is going to be interesting. And for the first time in a while, I think I actually like the people competing for the closer role in this D-backs organization. Probably the best competition for the closer since 2019 for the D-backs because the last three years, you've had the Hector Rondones and the Junior Guerreras and the Alvaro Perez's and whoever else you want to name, the Tyler Clippers, the Joaquin Sorias, all fighting for that closer role, and none of them were good. Mark Mylanson wasn't good last year, but at least he was coming off a season prior to being signed with the D-backs where he looked one, where he looked like one of the best closers in baseball, and maybe he could turn back the clock to that to regain his form after working with Brent Strom. Man's Supply also star last year Andrew Chafin is a stud Scott McHugh at least has experience and Miguel Castro is at least a high velocity reliever so I at least like the options that the D-backs are throwing out there for this competition for the closer role still think the D-backs bullpen probably is not going to be that good this year but I think it would at least be serviceable and I think it should be at least mediocre and mediocre doesn't sound good but the D-backs bullpen the last three years since 2020 you can make the cumulative argument it's been the worst bullpen in Major League Baseball so if the D-backs enter this season and they have the 18th to 20th best bullpen in baseball like that would be a huge step up for the D-backs and then I think their win total from last year was 74 games their over under win total for this season is like 74 games on FanDuel it's something right around there the D-backs get the 18th best bullpen in baseball this season with how they looked last year best believe this D-backs team is winning at least 80 games and I wouldn't even be afraid to bet on this team going 500 this season and if you also want to bet on the D-backs going at least 500 this season, then you need to head to FanDuel Sportsbook because the midway point of the NBA season is here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. My favorite thing to do once the Lakers get back into the swing of games is doing a same-game parlay with the Lakers. LeBron. 25 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists with Anthony Davis, 25 points and 10 rebounds. One of my favorite same game parlays to do. And now that the Lakers have D'Lo back, the prodigal son, I might have to add him into my parlay as well. 
Don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the podcast and let's discuss some more spring training battles because at number three of my spring training battles this spring training, of course, the infield spring competition, more importantly, the backup for the infield because as it currently stands, we expect our infield to shake up like this, right? First base, Christian Walker, stud last season, near 40 home run season, gold glove award winner. Christian Walker had a fantastic season last year for the D-backs where you go back and look at the numbers. You're like, he he had an all-star season, even though he wasn't named an all-star. He had an all-star caliber season. And that's the kind of guy, if you want to make the playoffs, if you want to be a good team, he's like the perfect cherry on top, complimentary, hold your, uh, the, the glue piece in your lineup. Like Christian Walker's not going to be the best player in any lineup, but if he's your four fourth best player in your lineup your fifth best player in your lineup you definitely feel very good about Christian Walker at first base second base and the position that it seems like he's going to play all season and not move around is Keta Marte where Toy Lovello has talked about Keta Marte this season is a second baseman he'll get some time at DH from time to time but he will be a second baseman all season nowhere else so I like Keta Marte locked into there Nick Ahmed seems pretty locked to shortstop because why would he not be? It's not like Perdomo really provided a big boost last year, and Ahmed is still the premier defensive shortstop on the roster. Then third base will be a combination, depending on who's on the mound, between Evan Longoria and Josh Rojas. So that is five spots, right? Third base, two, shortstop, second base, first base. Yeah, so that's five players already locked up into the infield. And when you're doing this, when, when you're doing these exercises, you have to remember how many players can even be on the roster at all. You can carry a max of 13 pitchers, which every team is going to do. You can have 26 players on your roster overall. So that will leave 13 position players as well. So if you count the nine players already in the starting lineup, and then I also think Alec Thomas is probably a lot to make the roster is one of the position players. So that's 10 players now. And then you got to think about the other catcher, Gabriel Moreno. So that's 11 players now. So... If you already have the five infield spots and you can only have two more roster spots overall, who among the infield options should be named a bench player? Should it be one bench player? Should it be two bench players among the infield options? I do not know. But when you look at the infield options that the D-backs have, they're fighting for one of those bench spots. You got Geraldo Perdomo, who could back up Nick Ahmed, who could back up Keta Marte probably do a little third base as well can play all over the infield you got Paven Smith if you really want a backup option for a Christian Walker can also play a little outfield I guess as well Paven Smith is going to be an option Diego Castillo who the D-backs acquired from from the Pittsburgh Pirates can play all over the infield Emmanuel Rivera as well and those seem to be really the biggest competition guys for fighting for one of these infield spots one of those four fighting for one of these infield spots. And you have to pick at least one of them for one of the bench spots. 
potentially two of them, because if you do want a backup option for Christian Walker, I mean, you could try doing Evelyn Goria at first base as a backup option, but he hasn't really done that. I don't think you're really going to do Josh Rojas as a backup option. So you might keep a Paven Smith or Manuel Rivera just because those guys have a chance at backing up Christian Walker at first base. Like Seth Beer is still technically on the roster. I don't think you're going to try Seth Beer at first base anytime soon. So I think after looking at it, I know we discussed last week, Paven Smith is probably not going to be on the roster, but after looking at it and thinking about it, like if you do want a backup option for Christian Walker, it might be a Paven Smith or Emmanuel Rivera. And just because Christian Walker is already a righty, Paven Smith might actually have a path to being the backup lefty to a Christian Walker when they want to platoon that way, because you know, Toy Lovello loves his platoon options. So it's very interesting to see how the infield options are going to battle each other out once we get to spring training. I think Paven Smith has a good chance of making it. Geraldo Perdomo is a switch hitter as well. I think he has a good chance of making it. Manny Rivera probably has the highest offensive ceiling of those players I just named. Maybe he could. I think I, I want to remember him playing at I want to remember him at least a couple times at first base last year defensively for at least a couple innings uh maybe I could look it up real quick on the fly but I think Amin Rivera would be my option if he's like a decent defensive first baseman I probably wouldn't mind him trying it out next season with the D-backs um I'm looking at it right now yeah 2022 he had four games 26 innings at first base for the D-backs last season Amin Rivera did so if we're going to pick a backup option in the infield for one of the two bench spots, if we're only going to pick one infielder for one of the two bench spots and another outfielder for one of the bench spots, then among the infielders, I think I would want Emmanuel Rivera just because he could back up, play third base, can also play first base. It's a little redundant with a Christian Walker, but I just think he has a higher offensive ceiling than Paven Smith. I like his power option as well. Like Paven Smith just doesn't offer me much pop. At least with Emmanuel Rivera in 102 games last year, he had 12 home runs. Maybe he's not a super pop option, but he's probably a guy that could get around 20. I'm not sure Paven Smith can ever hit 20 home runs. So as it currently stands, I'll probably lean Emmanuel. Emmanuel Rivera among my infield options my fourth biggest spring training battle that I've seen is probably going to be the battle for the fourth outfielder which I think is pretty much all locked up already by Alec Thomas but still seems like it's going to be a battle and really, I think the question is, do the D-backs want, when you have those two bench spots left, do you want a fifth outfielder and do you want an extra infielder? Because if the D-backs want a fifth outfielder, you could go with a Kyle Lewis who the D-backs trade for, who I think I'm a big proponent of, who probably won't even play in the outfield much, but can at least be a DH for you as a right-handed power bat, like a Stone Garrett S player. I love a Kyle Lewis in that scenario. Maybe one of the Dominics could come in and fight for that fifth outfield spot, either Dominic Canzone or Dominic Fletcher. Um, so we'll see about that. Early reports are talking like Alec Thomas is not locked into the opening day roster. I just feel like Alec Thomas will be. I think he will be the D-backs fourth outfielder. And I think he will be like the 10th man on the roster with uh, Gabriel Moreno being the 11th man on the roster, of course. And then you got your two bench spots left. 
the last two bench spots, I would probably give to Emmanuel Rivera and Kyle Lewis and then leave the Pavin Smiths, the Diego Castillos, the Geraldo Perdomos, the Seth Beers. I'll leave those guys off it. Alec Thomas provides that defensive stability. You could put him in the outfield with Corbin Carroll and Jake McCarthy and cover a whole lot of ground defensively. He's still a speedster. He can still be a table setter for you at the top of your lineup. And then Kyle Lewis. If he can stay healthy, he does have a real offensive ceiling if he can get back to his 2020 level. So, like, those two guys as my two last members of my bench unit, Emmanuel Rivera and Kyle Lewis. And the last spring training battle that I'm watching for is the catcher battle because we know the two catchers are going to be Carson Kelly and Gabriel Moreno. And Carson Kelly seems to be locked in at being the opening day starting catcher and maybe the first half of the season getting 60-40 in terms of splits with Gabriel Moreno coming on more in the second half of the season. But what if Moreno goes out there in spring training and just absolutely sets the world on fire, absolutely looks like a stud from the get-go. Meanwhile, Carson Kelly struggles to get in the swing of things and he bats like, 180 through three weeks of spring training while Moreno bats like 425. Like the D-back just automatically going to start the season with Carson Kelly just because he's already been in the organization the last couple of years. Or the D-backs going to roll the dice and say, hey, we gave up Dalton Varsha for this guy. This guy was already good at swinging the bat last season with the 30 games he played with the Toronto Blue Jays. He just crushed spring training. We know he's the catcher of the future. We know Carson Kelly is probably going to be a trade candidate this year. Why not just start the season with Gabriel Moreno? Why not just start the season with our best option? And then figure it out from there what to do with Carson Kelly. Kelly will still get opportunities. He will still get 40% of the work by that. But let's actually already start the process of starting the season with Gabriel Moreno, giving him the every opportunity for being the catcher of the future because that is our intent when we traded for Gabriel Moreno. So for the D-backs, I think starting the season with Gabriel Moreno as your everyday catcher wouldn't be a bad idea. But I didn't I think of all the spring training battles as probably the lowest on the totem pole. Carson Kelly versus Gabriel Moreno, just because they're both going to get opportunities and action when they're starting the season. They're both going to get a whole opera a whole lot of opportunity. It just matters more about which one's going to get more opportunity in the first half of the season because it looks like there's going to be a 60-40 split. It just depends. Is that going to be 60-40 Carson Kelly in favor or 60-40 Gabriel Moreno in favor? And spring training could tell us a lot about who should get that 60 in that 60-40 split. Before these spring training battles commence, some of these players might need a little bit of a boost to put them over the edge. And if you need a boost to start your day, you need to try a built Bar because if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a built Bar because we just got through the holidays and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year, but it's still hard. I have a sweet tooth and I'm trying to go to the gym every day. I'm trying to lose weight, but it's tough when you have a sweet tooth. That's where a built Bar comes in because it tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, but high in protein and high in fiber. So it's great for that keto diet. And right now, you don't have to just go to built.com to get your own built bar anymore. No, if you go to Walmart or Sam's Club today, you can get you can get yourself a box of built bars. That's right. If you go to Sam's Club, you can get a 13 bar box with some of my favorite flavors like brownie batter and churro. So go to Sam's Club, go to Walmart, get your box and thank me later.
of the bad, you know, of course, as I said before, we could all be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just looking, going into the year, the ones who go, what, what the hell are you doing? Like, I don't know what the Cubs are doing. No. I don't know. And the White Sox seem to be rudderless. The Red Sox are rudderless in a different way. <laughs> they seem to be obsessed with the 2018 Dodgers. And I said, why aren't you obsessed with the 2018 Red Sox? Like the and Dodgers keep- are. Like the Dodgers are, yeah, there are more 2018 Red Sox on the Dodgers, more 2018 Dodgers on the Red Sox. Kenley Jansen is going to be a disaster in Boston. Mm-hmm. He had so many blown saves with the Dodgers that were forgiven. There's, they're not going to forgive him in Boston. He's going to be, a, it's going to be a calamity. Uh, Justin Turner, all that, you know, the the long beard and all the goofiness is great when you're hitting the big home runs in the postseason, not when you're, you know, pulling a Pablo Sandoval. I, I just don't see the Red Sox are rudderless. But let's go to the Dodgers for a second. Okay. I like one of the reasons why I'm starting to lean towards the Padres for the division when I make my official picks is first of all, the Giants, their offseason was just uh, the prom and carry was just it was it was a disaster. And it was, and it was just kind of like all these moments like you're on the verge of something great and nope. Oh, you're going to sign a great player and nope. And, you know, you thought you're getting Judge and Correa. Instead, you get Conforto and Mitch Hanniger. Um, and you lose Carlos Rondon. I mean, this is a this is a bad offseason. Not not don't blame the Giants for not trying. But you got to walk away with something a little more exciting than Michael Conforto and Mitch Hanniger, for God's sakes. Yeah. But but the Manaya? I don't see it. I, don't, I mean, this is I mean, yeah, stripling. Congratulations. <laughs> but the other reason why, obviously, the Padres are going to have a full season of uh, Soto. They're going to have back Tatis. They're bringing in Bogarts for a team that's already good. But then I look at the LA Dodgers who let Trey Turner walk. Yeah. Let Justin Turner walk. Let Tyler Anderson walk. Let Andrew Heaney, Cody Bellinger, Craig Kimbrell. Tommy Canley, who, who did they replace him with? Who was JD. There? I mean, J.D. Martinez, fine, but I'm looking around going like, you know, it was like the 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 music stopped, and you're like, didn't, what did you do to improve this team? And I, I honestly think that the Giants and the Dodgers are kind of like saying, after you, San Diego, are kind of like they're, they're completely uh, – inert off season has allowed San Diego of all cities to be the team that becomes the big boys in that division. And right now, now again, the Dodgers won what a hundred some odd games last year, 110 some odd games. Obviously they're still a good team, obviously still a playoff team, but I'm looking at how San Diego addressed their needs and how Los Angeles is going in. Yeah, I know they have a ton of young players in their system. They have a fertile farm system. Maybe they're going to hand the car keys over to a lot of the young kids and hope that they 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 all explode, and they could very well explode. They could wind up winning the World Series. But, my God, they let a lot of – the Trey Turner one is the one that makes me completely baffled. And when Trey Turner left, I thought, well – all right, maybe they'll sign Swanson to a three-year deal, or they'll be in on Correa, or they'll be in on Bogarts. I thought, I thought Bogarts was heading to LA, mm-hmm. and the fact that none of that happened really makes me scratch my head at this whole off-season that they've had. 
I'll tell you who they brought in to replace them. The freight train, baby, David Peralta, because he signed a one-year deal with them. That probably won't really move the needle for the no. LA <laughs> no. no, I mean, Peralta's not a bad signing. I no. mean, he's a decent player, and he'll probably do his job. But I, I still look at this Dodger team and go like, wait a minute. This is a World Series or bus team. Shouldn't you have made one big splashy move, especially here in L.A.? There's a lot of ill will. They were in the Dodger fans were mad about what happened last year because they had that team won 114, whatever it was, games. This is on paper in terms of what they did in the field in regular season, the greatest regular season they had of all time. They won one postseason game to a Padre team who they beat like a rented mule the entire year. I mean, that was just embarrassing for Dodger fans, and there did not seem to be any reaction to that yeah if you're the dodgers this is kind of your mo though like they're not really afraid to let town walk in the offseason because if you look at their last few off seasons like they've let like you just said the trey turners of the world they let the max Scherzers of the world walk in free agency they let the manny machados of the world walk in free agency like the but- dodgers believe in their own system that their front office can go out there and either pick somebody from their minor leagues they could develop into a star or they're just going to wait for the next max scherzer to become available on the market that they go trade for and then you get trey turner thrown into that deal or you wait till free agency and you sign a Freddie Freeman or like you trade for the Mookie bets in the offseason like the Dodgers are not afraid to let town walk in the offseason because they always feel like another star is right around the corner well for Andrew Friedman and Brandon Gomes and everyone in that front office the pressure is on them because they're gambling they're making a bet that their their farm system is going to be producing stars but you already know where to go if you want to make bets, so no reason to do that yeah, again. I didn't know if we were doing that. No, no, I'm not going to do that again. Well, look, at that's – I mean, and the other team – and the last team I'll mention, and just some, as I said, sometimes the bad moves are just the moves you don't make, is the fact that – and I've mentioned this before, I'll mention it again. I don't understand how Baltimore could have a year where they get off the mat, they finally have a winning season, and you don't capitalize on that. I'm not saying going on a massive spending spree – but at least showing your fans, hey, we acknowledge things are going to be a little different now. And we're going to try to bring some actual major league talent onto this team. Besides James McCann, who, you know, I mean, look at James McCann's a nice player. He's had a nice career, but he's not anything. He's He was available. He's a living human being. They put a mirror under his nose. They saw steam. Um, I, why Baltimore could not be in on some of these people uh, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, Baltimore, they signed some veterans with the Kyle Gibsons, the Adam Frazier's, the Jesus Aguilar's, but they didn't sign any big-time stars. They didn't sign any above-average major leaguers that would have really helped the rotation or the lineup in that way. But I think they just are at this point like the D-backs where they're not trying to take any opportunity away from those young guys. They were not afraid to add veterans to maybe fill some of the holes and weaknesses to just shape around the edge of the roster. But they don't want to bring in any real big-time impact players right now because, one, I don't think they really want to be good just yet. I don't think they are afraid of being in the lottery one more year and maybe getting a top pick because this is still a team that wants all those young players to develop, give as many opportunities to the Adley Rushmans, the Gunnar Hendersons of the world to fail. I'm sure they got other young players as well. They're going to wait for the Jackson holidays in a couple years to come up and give him as many opportunities as well. So I think maybe two to three years from now, we'll see the D-backs and the Orioles make real moves in the offseason, not just sign the Evan Longoria's of the world and actually go out there and sign real-time 
players, real-time at-bats, dudes that you consider maybe all-star level players in the offseason. But as it currently stands, because they don't feel like they're even in the mix for a World Series discussion, why go out there and spend real money on a big-time player that you're probably going to have to trade in a couple years anyway? Well, look at We'll find out for sure how accurate we are. But I know one thing is accurate, that once a week you and I are going to get together and we're going to have ourselves fun doing a podcast. So, Miller Thomas, tell people they can listen to your terrific show. Oh, we missed breaking news with the White Sox during the pod. They signed Elvis Andrews, Sully. Oh, oh. there you go. Well, then that changes everything. Then they're going to win. There's going to be a parade in the South Side. That's actually not a bad move, especially because they're not sure what they're going to get out of Tim Anderson, but still. Yeah, it's all right. Tim Anderson Insurance. Follow me on Twitter at CreativeThomas24 for my personal account. Look up Locked on Diamondbacks on Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. Follow us on YouTube as well, Locked on Diamondbacks on there, and follow us wherever you stream your podcast. And you can follow us at Locked on MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Seeing the glass is half empty, and maybe we'll be wrong with Miller Thomas. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan, here on President's Day. Oh, I forgot to mention, I feel so. I feel like I'm cheating someone out. Thanks for making us your first listen. Sorry hey. there. Ooh, sorry, Lindsey Crosby. Thanks for making Lockdown MLB your first listen. Make Lockdown Dynamax your second listen. Make Lockdown MLB Prospects your third listen with host Lindsey Crosby. He's a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep in the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Getting the last live read in under the wire. This has been Locked on MLB for the 20th day of February 2023. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. That's Miller Thomas. That's fist pump for the president. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day. The Locked on MLB prospect show with host Lindsey Crosby is a walking baseball encyclopedia. Catch him wherever you catch my podcast. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.